Thank you, choir. Well, I've counted four languages that we have sung praises to God in today, and that doesn't begin to scratch the surface of the languages that are praising God around our world, many of whom, many languages in addition, have never even heard the name of Jesus once. And how, how can we rest? How can we rest comfortably in Tifton when precious people for whom Jesus died have never heard? Never heard. There is a, a passage in 3 John, verses 5 through 8. No chapters, just verses in 3 John, verses 5 through 8. A short message entitled, Fellow Workers in the Truth. Have you ever heard a sermon from 3 John? A mission sermon? We're going to look at it briefly this morning. And then what we need to do as a result. Have you found it? Right before Jude, right after 2 John. John wrote the Gospel, he wrote Revelation, and he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. This is one of his brief letters, and there's a reason he wrote it. Verse 5, Beloved, it is a loyal thing you do when you render any service to the brethren, especially to strangers, who have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey as befits God's service. For they have set out for His sake and have accepted nothing from the heathen. So we ought to support such men that we may be fellow workers in the truth. Let's bow. Father, help us be fellow workers in the truth. To love missions, to go on missions, to support missions, to pray for missions, to be obedient to your command for missions. Because when we do, we thrive, and when we fail to do so, we close our doors. It's all about you, God. All about telling others about you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look at the opening verses of 3 John, you'll find out that John has written a letter to a man named Gaius, and what John is doing in this brief letter, 15 verses, he is writing a letter that has been preserved in our Bible for this reason. He is commending a man named Gaius for the hospitality Gaius showed traveling Christian missionaries. That's the whole purpose of the letter. Word had come back to John, and it had been announced in the church that a man named Gaius had welcomed missionaries, had been hospitable, had treated them kindly, had entertained them while they were in that church, and then sent them on their way. You have to remember in this day that most of the missionaries were itinerant. They traveled from place to place, and there were no hotels. The inns were small, they were usually crowded, and they were usually full of evil people. And so Christian missionaries avoided inns. They avoided any other place to stay. They didn't want to depend on non-Christians to host them, and so they were entirely dependent upon Christians in various house churches to entertain them, to open the doors of hospitality to them, and to welcome them. Second John was written because Christians who were preaching heresy were being welcomed and entertained. In Second John, he wrote his second letter saying, don't welcome those preaching heresy. Third John, 
he writes the contrary. He says, welcome those who are preaching the truth. Missionaries that Gaius was entertaining and hosting and opening the doors of his home for were preaching the truth. And as I read that, it occurred to me that we as Christians are under obligation to take care of and provide for missionaries wherever they are, whatever they're doing, as they spread the gospel of Jesus. We are responsible to take care of them. We are under obligation to do so. And briefly, three reasons why. A reason, resources, and results. The first reason is because in verse 5 it says, in my translation, it is a loyal thing you do. Some translations say it is a fine and faithful work you do. It is a fine and faithful work, John says, that you do when you take care of and provide for and support and encourage missionaries. Not only is it a fine and faithful thing or faithful work, but it is also enabling you to become fellow workers with them. Verse 8, we may be fellow workers in the truth. You realize that when you are supporting missionaries, you are a fellow worker. You are a participant in what they are doing. You might not be able to go to the country where they're going. You might not be able to speak the language that they are speaking. But when you support them in any way, any, it says any service, you render any service, verse 5, you are a fellow participant with them. William Carey was a missionary in India had to raise his own funding, and so a man named Andrew Fuller returned to England to help raise funds to support William Carey's mission in India. Andrew Fuller spoke before a church, and afterwards a man came up and said, seeing it is you, I will give five pounds. And Andrew Fuller said, I cannot take your money if you're only giving it because of me. And the man recanted and he said, I see what you're saying. Because you are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, I will give more. It's not, you're not supporting one missionary because of who they are. You're supporting the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. When you render any service, it is a fine and faithful work that you do. And you become a fellow worker with them in the truth. What are the resources? Well, the first thing you think of is finances. John says they can accept nothing from the heathen in verse 7. You can't expect non-believers to support Christian missionaries. So on whom do Christian missionaries depend? They are dependent upon fellow Christians. Non-believers are not going to support them. It's up to us as fellow Christians to support and encourage them and be there for them in any way. Sabina and I went on a, a missionary trip to Nicaragua several years ago. We worked with a missionary named Lauren Dickey. And Lauren had a, a, a program called Go Nicaragua. And what he did was he went into various towns and set up the Jesus film on the, on the town square. And we went out during the day and we invited folks in our broken Spanish language to come to the town square to see the movie. Well, that night he hung up a sheet from a basketball goal and had an old Honda generator sputtering and spewing, running a DVD player and a projector. And I sat there and I watched that and I said, I can't believe that he is devoting his life down here to missions in Nicaragua. And he's got to use a sheet for a screen and an old generator, an old Honda generator to run things. So I determined in my heart right then when Lauren Dickey visited us the next summer, 
we had a portable screen waiting for him and a new Honda generator to take with him back to Nicaragua. I just couldn't see us asking him, giving his life in Nicaragua and doing so with, with equipment that was below par, that, that could not effectively do what he had been called to do. A patron of the arts one day offered a prize for a painting that best depicted a dying church. The third place entry was a picture of a church, a small church out in the country that had the doors padlocked and had briars and vines growing up around it. The second place finish was a, a picture of a beautiful sanctuary where the people were inside worshiping, but there were more empty pews than there were full pews. But the first place entry in this contest for paintings that best depicted dying churches was not a picture of a sanctuary, it was a picture of the vestibule. And in the vestibule there was a collection plate, and the collection plate was labeled for missions. And there were cobwebs on it. I tell you what, any church that does not support missions is a church that is one small step away from dying. So missions is not something we do just to help missionaries. Missions is something we do because we need it. Missions is not just our sideline, it is our lifeline. And to the extent that we support missions, we are a vibrant and thriving church right here in Tifton, Georgia, because not only do we send funds and, and short-term missionaries, but we have folks coming and going and praying, and all of that goes in together to make us an effective church. Not only are the resources or finances, but also prayer. Prayer is even more important than finances, and you won't hear many preachers saying that. Not all of us can go to a mission field, but every one of us can do the more important work of praying for missionaries. And when we're praying for missionaries, we know that, that much good is being done. I've heard stories about missionaries that had big efforts to, over, to overcome or, or maybe a new work to start. And you know what day they started that? that effort, that, that they undergirded that task that was monumental. You know what day they chose to do that? They chose their birthday. You know why? Because they knew on their birthdays there would be thousands of people praying for them. And that was the day to launch a new initiative, a new purpose, to overcome some overwhelming obstacle. They knew people would be praying for them on their birthdays. What will the results be when we have the reason and the resources? The results will be people will be saved. And that is the primary reason for missions. When God sent Jesus, he went all out to save all the world, holding nothing back from anyone. It is God's desire that all be saved. But how can they be saved? unless they hear the gospel. And how can they hear the gospel unless someone goes and tells them? And how can someone go and tell them unless they be sent? It's all about hearing about Jesus. And not only are people coming to faith in Jesus, but they're growing in their Christian lives. And overall, Christ is glorified. Everything that is done at home, overseas, 
is to glorify the name of Jesus Christ, to lift him up. Because we believe when that's done in whatever language, when he is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. Several years ago, at a cost of several million dollars, a new post office was built in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And when they had the grand opening, they had the governor there with the key, and they had bands marching, and they had people cheering, and they had streamers celebrating the opening of this new multi-million dollar post office in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But guess what happened? In there, when a man went inside to mail a letter, there was a problem. Because they discovered in their rush to get the job completed, the architect and the contractor had omitted one little thing, a letter drop. There was no letter drop in the post office. A tiny oversight, but it negated the very reason for its existence. Post office with no place to drop a letter. When any church loses the spirit of missions, I think it negates its very reason for existence. Missions is not a sideline. Missions is the lifeline of any church. The stronger the love for and the support for missions, the stronger that church will be. Let's bow together. Father, I thank you for missionaries right now out serving. I, I remember Chris and Katie Knowles. I think of Ashley and Percy Taba. I think of Jennifer Foster. I think of other missionaries who are on our prayer list every week. Faraway lands, it seems so distant and so removed and so abstract. And yet those men and women many with children are sacrificing everything because you have placed upon them a what if. What if you go? What good can come? How many can hear about Jesus who would not otherwise? How many can be saved? What if you go and those who have professed faith but become discouraged can be lifted up? What if we don't go? Satan will have won. Fear and anxiety will have won. The gospel will be quenched and missions will die. So Father, empower us. Send your spirit over us and help us see what can happen when we open ourselves up and become available to you to do anything without reservation for you to take control. In your son's name we pray. Amen.